Welcome to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. IFA Talk is for professional investors only. Thank you. Thanks very much for joining us for the latest episode of IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast, where we talk to people who matter about the things that matter in the world of financial services. I'm Brandon Russell, online writer here at IFA Magazine, and joining me on the podcast today is our editor, Sue Whitbread. Hi, everyone. It's Sue here. And working smarter, not just harder. It's high on advisors' lists these days. And as a completely independent financial information business, de facto is certainly a name with which advisors are likely to be very familiar. And de facto had been around for about 30 years, I think now. However, it's a business with some big plans to empower advisors even more than they do at the moment, and also to make your job a little bit easier too. So we thought it was high time we spoke to de facto CEO, John Lilliken. And John is our guest on the podcast today. And we're looking to find out a bit more about those plans, especially given the new consumer duty coming into play very soon. So, John, welcome to IFA Talk. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Sue. Hi, Brandon. Uh, it's great to be here. Thanks very much for the invite. You're very welcome. Can we start, perhaps, by just asking you to remind us briefly just what de facto does and also a little bit about yourself and your role within the business? Of course. Um, so as you said earlier, um, we've been going now for about 30 years and we really do three things. The first of those is to help consumers with um, their financial decision making. Um, we, we primarily do that through our consumer ratings. So we rate a whole range of financial services products ranging from uh, general insurance and protection um, through to investment products. Um, the second area is helping providers with the design and distribution of their products. So we have whole of market data that they get access to through a tool called Matrix. Um, and then they use that data to assess what's going on in the market and best adapt what they do uh, to those changing conditions. And then thirdly, uh, we provide a product called Engage um, to the IFA community. And about 30% of UK, UK IFAs use Engage at the moment. Um, and that's a financial planning and research tool. And the Engage situation is something we're going to be talking about a lot with you today. We? Absolutely. Um, so a little bit about me as well, I think you asked that, uh, that question too. Um, so I've been in role now a little over two years um, and uh, my background is in uh, technology and data businesses uh, and I've been brought in to accelerate the growth of DeFacto now that it's a part of Fintel PLC. Hi John, it's great to talk to you. Um, you mentioned Engage there and Sue and I were interested to see that you've recently introduced the cash flow modeling tool into the software too. What's next for Engage and what does it mean for advisors? So. It's a very exciting time um, for us, uh, de facto, and also for our investment in Engage. Uh, we consult regularly with the industry, and IFAs tell us three things. They want efficiency, they want compliance, and they want us to help us uh, to increase the assets that they have under advisement. So from an efficiency perspective, it's important that the, the tool is as intuitive as possible, and that we try and reduce the rekeying of data as much as we possibly can. Um, that's time consuming, but it also can introduce inefficiencies as well. So we want to provide an end to end experience in one tool as far as that financial planning element is concerned. So from fact find and understanding the attitude to risk of the customer right the way through the to the suitability report. And so what we've been doing in that area is making sure that we've got all of the various tools that are required in that part of the financial planning journey, the advice journey. So we're overhauling our UX and UI. Um, 
We're also looking at how we can um, help advisors in their communication with their clients as well. So we talked a lot um, as an industry about uh, robo-advice and D2C. That's not really what we're hearing as far as the future direction of our particular part of the industry. What we're seeing is that um, the people that we serve um, most want to talk to advisors, but both advisors and clients want more information and a deeper experience um, in their engagements. Increasingly, clients are wanting a multi-channel, always-on experience from their IFA. They want to get that important advice face-to-face. But there are other ways, I think, that we can enhance that interaction between advisor and client. So providing more digital tools, um, providing more information, communication, those types of things. So that's an angle that we're looking at as far as, uh, as, far as the development of Engage. The second area I mentioned was compliance. Now, um, by its very nature, Engage helps with the compliance because it ensures as much as possible that the advisor is putting a suitable product and recommending a suitable product to the client through that advice journey. So we do, do goals-based planning. We have a consistent methodology that runs right the way through all of the tools within the, uh, within the application itself. So that consistent methodology, that clarity, and the ability to be able to provide that suitability all the way through the process is a, is a really strong uh, factor in the reason why people choose Engage. We're looking at further enhancing the tool so that um, we improve more, or sorry, we, we, we provide more, uh, a more of a relative nature within our research. So at the moment, if an advisor looks at a fund review or a product review, it's an absolute answer on a couple of pages about that fund or that product. What we're going to do increasingly for consumer duty is to make that relative. So to see where that product, where that fund ranks against its, uh, against its peers in terms of those core consumer duty criteria. Um, and we're also looking at new, new workflows as well. Um, improving the understanding that we have of client at the outset. So things like vulnerability, things like their attitude to ethics and ESG, those types of aspects, and potentially using more behavioral analytics. We're also going to be providing more analytics through the tool so people and firms in particular can better judge their own performance as they run through the advice journey. So how am I comparing against my peers? Are my fees are about, about the same? Are the performance of the products that I'm recommending to my clients? Are they in line with industry benchmarks as well? Have I got about the right number of clients? Is that more than or less than the rest of the industry? What about my portfolio size? How does that rank as far as my peers are concerned as well? So all of that data should help from a compliance perspective, because in a lot of cases, and, and particularly with consumer duty, um, that's about me benchmarking myself against my peers, understanding the advice that I'm providing to my client, that the client understands that advice, and that I'm sticking within reasonable bounds as far as that, um, that experience is concerned. And hopefully those analytics will help us uh, to do that as an industry. The third area I mentioned was AUA, or you know, Assets Under Advisement. Um, we just launched a um, pension switching tool. Uh, and we're about to launch a product and platform switching tool. That's all about helping advisors bring in um, existing assets to the advice process. So sometimes there's been a tendency to say, OK, well, um, if you come over from another advisor or from a separate piece of advice, I'll leave those assets where they are. These tools are about saying, well, can I do a better job than 
the, the advice you've been provided previously. So that's looking at performance, that's looking at fees, RIY as far as um, those aspects of the advice process are concerned, and giving advisors the tool to bring those assets into their portfolio and helping that, that AUA case. So those three areas really, as far as Engage is concerned, we're investing multi-millions of pounds now on an annualized basis. We've got a development team of about 30 people that are dedicate, dedicated towards Engage now. Um, and those are our key focal points. So efficiency, compliance, and AUA. Mm, sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you for that. Well, especially as a third of IFAs virtually are, are using the platform already, then it's uh, it's interesting for those who maybe aren't using it to think about it. And those who Absolutely. are, to know that there's more coming down the line. That's right. And that we're adapting the tool to their feedback and, provi and, and, and providing them with workflows that uh, meet their particular advice journey. Mm -hmm. So firms don't, you know, firms all work in a different way, or they can tend to work in different ways. We've got to adapt our tools so that it fits with their process and their methodology. So if it's an annual review of the client, there's you know no major changes in the portfolio, no major life life events. We can provide or should be able to provide a, a relatively light touch version of our process. If the converse is true, and there maybe has been a major life event or major changes in the portfolio, then there are workflows within the tool that allow that to happen at a much more in-depth level. Um, so you're yeah, going back to that point again of making sure we remain compliant, but also making sure those processes are as efficient as they possibly can be for the advisor and for the client. You are listening to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to be notified as soon as a new episode becomes available. And follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram at IFA Magazine. We've already mentioned consumer duty many, many times in the conversation already. And so I think it would be good to hear how de facto is supporting advisors with regard to the new consumer duty. And I also wonder what other key challenges uh, are you seeing in the advice market just now? Sure. So starting off with, with consumer duty, I was at an event, an advisor event last week, actually. Um, and there's still uh, not 100% clarity as far as what consumer duty means to advisors. And I think that's going to uh, unfurl as we, uh, as we go through the, the coming weeks and months. So some people are uh, centering on um, just being able to clearly communicate what I'm doing. And um, provided I can do that, then I believe that I'm already satisfying the regulation. Um, others are taking a more um, in-depth approach, looking at every aspect of their advice process and saying, well, I know I've got to offer value for money. I know I've got to offer the best possible product. I know that um, I've got to um, align my advice process to the fees that I'm charging, as well as making sure that I'm clearly communicating and being seen to clearly, clearly communicate what's happening during that advice process. And as I say, I think um, uh, there's probably quite a lot for us all to learn as far as consumer duty is concerned. Now, we have, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we're about to launch um, uh, product, over, product reviews and uh, funds overviews um, with a consumer duty angle on those, which are going to provide much more relative advice to the advisor. So does your fund sit in top quartile or bottom quartile as far as fees or other important criteria are concerned? Same with platforms, same with wrappers. So hopefully that helps as far as the positioning of a product. That's not to say that there are necessarily any good or bad funds or products. 
it's all about matching the strengths and, and relative weaknesses of those products against what the customer is most interested in. So through a combination of using Engage and those additional publications, we think we can help there. We will then introduce more future workflows, we'll adapt workflows to better fit with what becomes the accepted norm as far as consumer duty is concerned within Engage. So that might be a greater focus on RIY or fees as we go through the process. And that's something that we are researching at the moment uh, and something that we'll launch as we go through the remainder of this year and early next year. So more to watch there. Of course, already within Engage, you get suitability reports. You've got a, um, a strong underlying methodology, which is consistent as you go through the process. Uh, and there are you know, a number of tools that you know provide that. Uh, real strength of foundation as far as the advice journey is concerned and ensuring that you're doing the right thing um, and that that's being done in a compliant way. So I think we've already got a reasonable foot up as far as the product is concerned in those regards. And as far as other themes in the industry and, you know, again, you know, other things that were being talked about at the event I was at last week, um, consolidation is still a big thing. Um, so what's happening as far as um, some of those larger networks, but also um uh, payback firms that have come into the market and, you know, hoovered up um, quite a number of advice firms. People are still a little unsure about how that's going to play itself out. I think my personal view is valuations may be topping out um, and we may see some more of the traditional networks coming back into the market and stepping up their acquisition of advice firms. I think that's a good thing for the industry. I think maybe valuations have got a little bit too toppy. Um, and that was um, keeping some of our more traditional networks and nationals out of the out of the picture. I think what I heard last week was they're starting to come back. Now, valuations have softened a little bit, uh, which I think is good for the uh, the industry overall. Um, ESG was still very much a topic. Um, mm -hmm. And there are different views as far as ESG is concerned. We've got um, quite significant amounts of whole of market data. Uh, as you'd expect, because uh, as you mentioned earlier, engages about 30% of the IFA market. We've seen ESG usage tail off this year as opposed to last year and the year before. We've also seen the usage of the filters that we have within Engage that look at things like sustainability. Um, their usage has dropped off as well. We never really thought that um, the levels of net inflow to ESG funds were because they were ESG per se, that wasn't matched in the data. So only uh, less than 10% of the, uh, the sorts and filters that people used within Engage reflected ESG or ethics or sustainability, even during that period when 30 to 40% of net inflows were going into ESG funds. It was more that the, um, the performance of those funds was good, and they were being quite heavily marketed because a lot of them were new entrants into the market. And there was quite a lot of noise about ESG more broadly. What we're seeing now is perhaps those funds, in this very general view, have not performed quite so well. You know, there's been um, uh, pressure as far as overall market condition is concerned, and uh, ESG has not been uh, immune to that. There's been less noise in the market, less marketing of those ESG funds. And... In times when perhaps returns aren't quite as high as they were 12 or 18 months ago, I think clients have been more sensitive to those sorts of dynamics as well. And so our understanding of the market is it really depends on the goal for a particular part of the investment portfolio. If it's my pension, then I'm going to be less inclined to go to ESG. If it's something that perhaps I'm saving for that's a bit more discretionary, 
then there's more chance that I'm going to um, uh, be more, I'm going to see some of those non-financial non criteria associated to that recommendation have increased importance. Um, but overall, we've seen that market soften. And I think there is still a challenge as far as um, advisors bringing that conversation uh, into the advice process, because I don't think as an industry we've yet settled on definitions. So it's quite difficult for an advisor to introduce into a conversation when ESG in itself is um, not a black and white thing. It's a, uh, it's all subject to interpretation and that can then conf confuse clients and not necessarily be helpful as far as that advice journey is concerned. So I think, you know, as I say, um, certainly net inflows have softened. Um, I think the industry needs to do better as far as definitions is concerned. And we still have to see some of that stuff come back. Um, but until we do that, I don't think it's going to be a staple of advisors introducing into the advice process. Oh, thanks for that, John. Yeah, as you say, jargon is always a problem, isn't it, within finance circles? So it's not going away anytime soon. Well, it's a complicated area, and we've got a you know, we've got a running mantra. Um, whether it's um, what we want to hear or not, in, in essence, what we sell is very complicated, um, very important, but also quite difficult to uh, fathom for a lot of our clients, and that's a you know challenge that we all face. Unfortunately, we are rapidly coming towards the end of today's episode. Um, just to finish up then, can we look ahead to what's coming down the line and some of the exciting plans you've got in the pipeline? So where do you see the financial advice profession heading and how is de facto preparing to support advisors in that future? That's a really big question, Brandon. Give <laughs> 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 me the answer as well, John. <laughs> First off, I think the role for financial advisors is going to remain a very, very strong one. I think overall, the amount of assets that are going to be available to invest is going to go up and the number of people holding those assets is going to increase. Um, so I think you know, overall, it's a very rosy picture as far as the, uh, the retail investment market is concerned. Um, however, what we've seen historically is actually the number of IFAs hasn't increased massively over really since RDR. So we're going to have to get more efficient as far as the way in which we give advice to that expanding community. Um, and I think a lot of that will come back to the data. So I mentioned earlier that um, we've got um, uh, a really in, you know, an enormous data set as far as UK financial services is concerned. And we also understand a great deal about the advice process because of uh, the visibility that we have through the Engage tool. So I think the future as far as data is concerned is about understanding all the products in the market, understanding consumers, their preferences and their buying behaviors, um, and I think we'll we'll do more with things like behavioral analytics in that area to really get under the skin of not just what people are telling us, but what they really believe and what they want their outcomes to be and their value systems and um, how that should in, uh, inter interact with the products that are actually available in the market. Um, and the third key area is what the firm and the IFA believe they want to bring into the process as well. And I think um, that the, the understanding of those three core data sets should allow us to come to recommendations, better recommendations more quickly to provide uh, maximum suitability and minimum effort for those involved. Now, that's not to undermine the advisor or the advice process at all, because um, I think there's a, another aspect to um, what, what I think is going to happen in the, in, in the industry and that is that the advisor will be seen much more as overall financial coach rather than just person who's going to help me with the advice process. 
And unless we can reduce the burden through using data, using um, technology in order to be able to increase efficiency, then the advisor is not going to be able to grow into that particular role. So things are going to be more investments, more people, broader scope as far as advisors are concerned, and they'll be helped out through data and technology. And that's certainly the way in which we're thinking about the industry. Cool. Well, John, we've we've drawn that conclusion now that uh, our conversation sadly is over for today. But thank you very much indeed for for joining us today. And it's good to see that there are some business development tools in the pipeline, as well as uh, clever gadgets and bills in the, in the system that can help with the client proposition as well. I'm sure our listeners will be glad to hear that. So thank you very much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. IFA Talk is for investment professionals only. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Whatever appropriate, independent research and whatever necessary legal advice should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast. And value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested.